0: Welcome to Purpose Without Limits, the show which strives weekly to empower you to reach your true potential, to help you understand how a simple shift in thinking can make success a reality, both professionally and personally. You'll learn about business etiquette intelligence and why a first impression is so crucial, and the real rules of the game to help you outclass your competition. Your host, Dallas Teague Snyder, is founder of Make Your Best Impression, author of the book, Professionally Polished, Business Etiquette Savvy for Today's Competitive Market, and co-author of Executive Etiquette Power. For more, visit MakeYourBestImpression.com. The time to become your best self is today. Here's Dallas Teague Snyder.
1: Welcome to Purpose Without Limits. I'm your host, Dallas Teague Snyder, America's impression engineer and the author of Professionally Polished, Business Etiquette Savvy for Today's Competitive Market. As you probably know by now, we've been on the air for over seven, eight weeks now. We've got many listeners from around the globe, and we are so glad that you've joined us today. As always, our listeners receive a wonderful bonus from our guests because we value your most important asset, your time. And that's exactly what we're talking about today. That ever-challenging goal of work-life balance. I know you thought about it. I know you think, I need it in my life, but how in the world can I do it? There's just too much to do, and one thing we never get back, it's time. So our guest today is going to help us figure out how we can manage that a little bit and maybe give us some tips along the way. And we're also going to talk about the importance of mentors. I know that you've probably had people in your life that have helped you along your journey. I know that I have, and maybe you've helped people as well. Maybe you didn't even know that you did. So we're going to talk about that and how we can be powerful and impactful on others, even when we don't even realize that just being ourselves can be a blessing to others. So uh, in the show today, we are going to, of course, have our wonderful interview with our amazing guest, Lynn Ann Gardner. We're also going to be joined by Barbara Kazam with her two tip of the week. And of course, we'll end with our free bonus from Lynn Ann. So you don't want to miss that now. About our guest, what can I say? Lynn Ann Magookie Gardner is an amazing woman. She is not only a fantastic and wonderful business entrepreneur and international trainer, speaker and management consultant. But she's just a fantastic mentor for all of us. I had the pleasure of working with Lynn Ann when I worked for Marriott International a few years ago. I'll Let's just say a few years. Uh, and one of the things that I will tell you is building relationships, they can happen anytime, anywhere. And I'm just so, so thrilled that she's back here today to uh, help share her insight with those of us Um, that are looking to improve our lives. One of the things that I'm very impressed about Lynn Ann is she went on and got her MBA from the Harvard University Graduate School of Business, and she's also the author of Got Sales, the complete guide to today's proven methods for selling service. It was nominated for the Axum Business Book Award as the best sales book of the year, and she's helped hundreds of professionals to develop the lucrative business relationships they seek. So without further ado, help me welcome Lynn Ann to the show.
2: Well, thank you, Dallas.
1: Oh, Lenny um, I don't even want to try to guess how many years it's been, but you just had such an impact on my life many years ago, and I know you were quite successful in the sales arena, marketing and consulting. Tell me what really made you step out on your own.
2: What made me step out on my own was that I wanted to see more of my little girl. <laughs>
1: uh.
2: <laughs> I had a daughter, and I happened to have grown up without a mother. My mother died when I was three. And I was determined that my daughter not have the same experience. So without any burning entrepreneurial drive at all, I decided to start a business when Lindsay was nine.
1: Oh, wow. So now, wh- what is Lindsay doing today?
2: I beg your pardon? I said, what is Lindsay doing today? Lindsay is running the Albuquerque hub of the United Parcel Service.
1: Oh, Wow. Uh-huh. Well, you know, so many of us, whether it's that entrepreneurial bug or we want to spend more time with our family, you obviously had a personal drive and reason to do that. But there's got to be that um, that passion and burning desire that makes us step forth. Because it's not a safe place to be, is it?
2: Well, I guess that depends on one's definition of safety. I know a lot of people who think that it's safe to have a job with a check on Friday But it turns out over the last couple of years especially, it hasn't been as safe as perhaps
1: they anticipated. (laughs) You know, it's interesting, absolutely. In fact, people, we see it every day in the paper. Uh, More plants are closing. People that have been dedicated to a job for 30 years, all of a sudden folks are coming in and just telling them they're no longer valued or important. And, um, you know, when we see companies giving... Amazing and fantastic bonuses to their executives, but for the everyday person that's working and receiving that paycheck, you know, where they've dedicated their life to that, it's really a it's really a sad state for the for people today.
2: I think it is in many cases.
1: Well, and that's one of the things that that I'm just so um, charged to do with what I am doing with the show, my personal coaching, and trying to teach people these business etiquette skills. You know, much like the sales and professional coaching that you do, there are certain skill sets that aid to someone's success. If they don't have them, they're at a disadvantage. And, of course, if we're not learning them at home, we're, we're, we really are behind the eight ball. But work-life balance is something that we all aspire to have, whether we're starting our own business or whether we are continuing to work in a job until we find out what it is that we ultimately want to do uh, or can create the dream job that we've always desired to have. So what would be your, I guess, your take on the the way we can acquire work-life balance or so maybe some of the tips of how we do that? And then um, also, what are some of the biggest mistakes you see people make?
2: Well, you know, work-life balance is something that um, all of us give lip service to. We all want to have work-life balance. But the reality is most people tell me that they haven't achieved it. I think, and this is not profound, that it's about priorities, one of which has to be your family, Mm -hmm. something other than your work life or your professional endeavors a lot of people say that and i would put myself among them by the way and then the reality is they just spend all day every day working especially people who are trying to get businesses off the ground or someone like me who has a business that um, gets very 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 busy at certain times of year and of course we don't staff up because we know that there will be other times of the year that aren't as busy but i can make people in my office and this week is an example crazy trying to keep up with the (laughs) amount of work that we have so part of it is prioritizing and making sure that your family your relationship your children your dog are somewhere on that list of priorities along with all those other professional things the biggest mistakes that people are making really have to do with not putting the priorities in what i would consider to be the right order
1: Oh, okay. So, um, so maybe they say their priorities, but yet when they really put things, um, put time to things, or allow time for things, it's really not matching up with their words.
2: Well, that, and beyond that, even Dallas, the reality is that a lot of people have to have sales in their business, and yet they don't make time for selling. They make time for everything else, including fifty-two tweaks to their website before they make time for any selling effort. So that's an example that I deal with a lot.
1: Oh yeah, that revenue generating portion of your business. Yeah, yeah uh, so much busy time goes into the details when you can you know, hire someone to do those things. And if you're the primary salesperson, the representative of your company, and you're, you're busy doing things that you can get other people to do or basically hire other people to do, that's their skill set, um, you're really um, shorting yourself.
2: Well, you may be. Now, when you say hire other people to do, one of the things that people will say is, how am I going to hire anybody? I don't have any revenue. So that's exactly a valid issue, and it's a worthwhile point to bring forward. If you're really starting out, you probably can't hire a lot of people even to, you know, clean the bathroom. You're probably going to have to do that yourself. But a little later on, you might decide where your priorities are, and they might not be with the comet in the bathroom. (laughs)
1: yeah everything is uh there are there are certainly times for things and i think your priorities change and and what you can't afford and you can't afford i know right now in my business i'm looking at partners to do certain things as as far as admin type things um you know as far as those types of things that um, i can allow someone else to do now there are particular things in my business that i can't have somebody else do and, of course, selling is certainly a part of that because I am the product. So that that's somewhat challenging. Indeed. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So regarding selling, you were uh, definitely a, a s- successful salesperson. In fact, the number one sales representative around the world, your first year of selling at Xerox. And wh- what would you say is the biggest challenge that people have in sales? What do you think is the roadblock?
2: Oh, the roadblock is the way they think about Selling, generally. Hmm. You want me to elaborate on that, Dallas?
1: <laughs> yeah. You know, well, yeah, I know, I know what you mean, because I was, you know, was fortunate to go through your class, but yeah, share with our listeners a little bit about that.
2: Well, I think selling is one of those things that everybody has an image in their mind of what a salesperson is, and it's not good. So when you think about being one of those, it isn't usually a very pleasant thought, And so you decide something like, perhaps, well, I'm not going to be one of those greasy used car salesmen. I'm going to be a different kind of person. And then you go off in some direction that is probably equally as unproductive because being Central Casting's image of a salesperson isn't effective, but neither is a lot of other things that people think might be an alternative to that.
1: Hmm. Well, that is an interesting uh, comment, an alternative to that, Uh, (laughs) because I've been in sales for many years, and uh, I've never really seen myself as that car salesman, uh, but I've always seen myself as that consultant, if you will, or that person trying to fill a need, and so that really, and I think in the service industry, that's, um, in the hospitality industry, that's somewhat um, kind of a nature of that that industry itself. But um, yeah, a lot of people, they're in, they own their own businesses or uh, they work for companies in an, internal, in an internal position and maybe they're an introvert and they think, well, I'm just not good at sales. But quite often, it's the person that has the listening skills that are most successful.
2: You're absolutely right.
1: Hmm. Well, if you haven't joined us yet or you're just joining us, um, this is Purpose Without Limits. And we're talking to Lynna Maguki gardner She is an international management consultant and just an amazing leader and inspiration to us all. Uh, So, Lynna, back on sales. So, we know people need to be a good listener, but what are some of those alternative alternative ideas you were talking about?
2: Of the alternative ideas about uh, the image of salespeople? Yeah, yeah. Or ways you might approach selling. Oh, well, probably the biggest one is, I'm going to go out and educate my prospects. Mm. Lots of people have educating in their minds. And that's a mis- mistake, because you cannot educate someone who does not want to be educated. <laughs> so a lot of people go out saying, this is great information, and if you just sit still, Dallas, it won't hurt too much, and I'm going to educate you. Mm-hmm. good luck with that, because unless she's already engaged, she's not going to make that connection with you. So that's a major misunderstanding. Another approach that's erroneous, at least in my judgment, is to treat people who are your prospects, people who haven't bought from you yet, as if they are your clients or customers, people who have bought from you. The difference is, when you start treating a prospect like a customer, you give them the very best of your thinking and you help them understand something in detail the problem is if you're selling a service and you do that for free it's going to be difficult for you to start charging for it later
1: yeah that is certainly a hurdle that a lot of us that are used to helping people um, understand things and get to a certain point that is a certain that is a definite uh, challenge i know i face that myself being someone who's given Coaching advice throughout the years, and you know now i 'm doing that professionally, but that was certainly um a barrier I had to cross myself mm-hmm. huh, very interesting. well, I know you really believe in mentors, and did you have any mentors that helped you as you moved into this career and your um you know your uh management and consulting firm? was there anybody that in particular that um, sparked your interest or or Put kind of fire under your fanny, if you will?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I've had a couple of mentors, and um, two of them were academics. One was in college and one was in graduate school, and both of them know that they've been tremendously helpful to me in my professional development. Dr. Uh, Emil Dansker uh, on the undergraduate level and Dr. Ben Shapiro at Harvard Business School. I also had a couple of female mentors in the workplace. One was Judy Davis at MCI in Washington, D.C. Years ago, I worked for the founder of MCI, and Judy was my boss. Learned a great deal from her, and also from Judy Shackelford, who at one time was executive vice president of Mattel, and she hired me to be a brand manager, Mm. and uh, I ended up running all of the new business concepts for Mattel. So all of them were helpful to me. They seemed to understand who I am and how I'm different and to give me a chance to make a lot of mistakes and then to pick me up, dust me off, and send me off uh, again uh, taking my next shot.
1: Well, it sounds like that um, what they were able to do, like you said, is to find out what made you uniquely you and let you learn, make a mistake, but also really wanted to embrace what was unique about you and let you go out there, and obviously it worked.
2: Well, I would say it worked. Yeah. The main thing they noticed about me is that I'm very competitive. So if you say, Len I bet you can't. Whatever comes out of your mouth next is going to be a challenge that I will take personally and directly pursue.
1: (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Now, does your husband use that on you ever if you can't do something for his own benefit? No, he's
2: not that kind of a guy.
1: Other people have. Yeah, yeah. So it's funny when people learn those traits about you. Sometimes they try to use them for their own benefit. But uh, in business and sales, that's certainly a, a great motivator, I would say. Well, so, you know, one of the things that I've seen, Lynn Ann, is that um, and through my coaching, I had someone tell me actually last week, she, we met and it was our first meeting and she said, do you know why I chose you? I chose you because y- you can understand. And I hear this a lot about people, you know, females looking for female mentors only. And do you think that's a mistake or do you think that's something that is just a natural evolution, if you will?
2: I emphatically think it's a mistake mm. now having said that i would add that if the mentors that are available to you happen to be women don't run away from them saying some woman on a radio show said that, that it was not a good idea to have a female mentor but i think to confine your thinking only to female mentors gives you less of a full experience than you would if you had mentors of both genders
1: Hmm. Okay. So, tell me what you think that people miss when they only work with men. I mean, women. I just. Uh, I mean, I certainly can see your point, but I'd love you to elaborate a little bit on that.
2: Well, I think that. Uh, in fact, let me tell you that just recently I was up at the uh, ranch of Dr. John Gray. John is the guy that wrote the book "Men Are from Mars." Oh, women sure. Mm-hmm. US, which was, by the way, the best-selling book of the decade of the 1990s, according to uh, USA Today. Wow. So he's a very successful author, and he's written a number of books since then on the Mars and Venus theme. But I spent four days with him at his ranch in Mendocino County, up north of San Francisco, and he was talking about how it's essential for us to appreciate that half the population fundamentally approaches communication differently than our half of the population. And when you work with people who have that different perspective, you start to understand it a little more. So instead of just being in reaction to it, you can actually work with it. For example, in a selling context, obviously I'm a woman, but if I'm selling to a man, I adjust certain aspects of my behavior so that my prospect, a gentleman, is more comfortable than he would be with my You know, female approach.
1: Oh, absolutely. Um, When we're talking about that in business etiquette, our mannerisms and our intonation, the way we sit in in the chair, and our engagement, and so forth. You're exactly right. Mimicking, uh, if you will, and being able to understand and communicate in a way that they get. Mm. Yeah. I
2: would. I would stay away from the word mimicking from my perspective because my reading of the research is that no one wants to be mimicked, and if we catch someone mimicking us, we're going to run the other direction. But with that exception, I agree with what you just said.
1: Well, and that's probably a poor choice of words mimicking, and I guess maybe, you know, getting more comfortable and relating to them in a way that uh, helps you build rapport instead of, um, again, running the other direction. Uh, like you said. So, um, yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, lynn you had the wonderful opportunity to go to Harvard, and how can people take advantage of world-class education, you know, without being, you know, having to make that investment? If they don't have the time or the money to do that, how can they really get that sort of education to get them on the road to success?
2: Well, you know, I had to think about this raising my daughter, and I'm sure other people listening to us have had to think about that in the context of their children. And I think my best advice is to be a student and be a student of people who, in your judgment, are successful people. Mm, If there's mm -hmm. something you want to be able to do better and you know someone who's good at it, why in the world would you not watch them and try to learn from what they're doing? I've told my daughter, shadow people in careers that are interesting to you so you can see what the job is, not conceptually, but day-to-day, moment-to-moment, what you do with your day and see if that's something that interests you. So I advocate that. I advocate uh, being a student, being curious. Oh, my gosh, so many people are just no longer curious. (laughs) They're trying to fit themselves into something instead of being interested and curious. And finally, I'd say be humble. When you deal with people who you consider to be successful, then be humble and look at their uh, choices and the way they present what they have to say and consider that and look for a kernel of truth in what they're saying, even if perhaps on substance it doesn't seem to fit your point of view. Try to look for the, the piece that's true and sort it out.
1: Well, that's great advice because, um, again, we see people all the time. I remember being uh, just graduating from college and working in a sales department. I was an administrative assistant, and I was a very bad administrative assistant. Um, I did not take cooking or typing in high school. (laughs) So, um, yeah, I was not very good at that. But anyway, I remember a young lady coming to the hotel to take a tour. We were doing hard hat tours. And I just thought she was so elegantly dressed. She was very professional, and I thought she carried herself so well. And later we actually worked together she hired me and then I was her boss many years later but I just remember thinking to myself wow if I could only be like her you know (laughs) know? um but again just watching someone watching how they carry themselves maybe the way they um like you said present themselves and what resonates with you because like you know everyone is human so not everything they do and say is going to be applicable to your particular desire or situation
2: indeed that's certainly true
1: Right. Well, so tell me, one of the things that we all know is that we're in sales every day. So even people who are afraid to say that they're in sales, they're in sales. We have personal branding. We're selling ourselves. You know, we do that with the people we love. We do that with people we come in contact with every day. What is working in selling right now in today's economy?
2: Well, what's working in selling right now isn't terribly profound. It's a few things. One is looking at how much time you actually spend in conversation with people who are in a position to buy what you have to sell. That's a very interesting metric. We call that F to F and P to P. So like the letter F, the number 2, the letter F, the letter P, the number 2, and the letter P. Hmm. It stands for face-to-face and phone-to-phone. In other words, time spent in conversation, Mm -hmm. again, with people who can buy what you have to offer. If you look at that metric and whatever it is today, you drive it up next week, we know that number correlates directly with success in selling. So it's a leading indicator of future selling success. Also, looking at systematic and methodical follow-up with the people who you chat with about the possibility of buying from you. We know that there's been a tremendous amount of research on the subject of trust now, what causes people to trust in business situations. And basically the bottom line is they don't trust you on the basis of one conversation. So there are four elements of trust. You have to know all of them, but one of them is that no one trusts after one experience.
1: How many, you know, because I know the old adage, and maybe that's changed, people would say it takes seven touches for people to really even recognize whether you're sending direct mail or what have you or phone calls. Um, So how many times do people need to connect with you to start to build a level of trust?
2: You know, we're not so precise on that number because depending on the industry you're in, that number will vary. But the point of it is the same, which is it's not just one touch, that's for sure. And you probably can't make too many, unless, of course, you're being irritating irritating in the way you're touching people. Uh, I don't mean physically touching Yes, I understand. (laughs) But uh, it's generally true that people remember what's most recent. So if people are ready to buy something, and you're a seller, but there are other sellers, the chances are they're going to do business with whoever's the last person they spoke with when they finally decide to get their wallet out.
1: Okay. Right. And there is a, there is a balance. I really feel like it's a dance, if you will. It's a, it's that, um, it's the, um, harmony of working with people and finding out what their desire is. One of the things that I found when doing some professional coaching with someone is that he was having a challenge. In communicating with people and what he we finally realized after our discovery and what he was able to come to understand was that you need to communicate with people how they want to be communicated. So, for example, if you have um, people want to communicate via email and that's their mode of communication, well, by all means, communicate with them that way. Um, but, again, like you said, the face-to-face and the um, face-to-phone and, the, you know, building that rapport and taking the time to get to know someone past that initial conversation and really building a loyalty and, uh, and really top-of-mind awareness is, is, I think, a, a huge factor in that.
2: Well, you're right about that, too, Dallas. You know, the only thing I would add is that a lot of people tell me that everyone's preference is to communicate by email now. And I believe that people say that because it's easy. You can deal with your email when you get around to it, as opposed to making an appointment to meet with someone or even to have a phone call. You have to do that at the time you agreed, and at that moment you might be busy or whatever else. So people say, oh yeah, I have a preference for email. But the data says that we know that FaceTime and phone time correlates with success in selling. We do not know that E-to-E time correlates with success in selling. So while your statement is true, that if they prefer truly to be communicated with by email, you should, you should also understand that when the opportunity presents itself to actually have a conversation, you should do that.
1: Oh, I completely agree. In fact, we followed up that his what he would do is have a go set up to have a personal meeting with them to understand their concerns. It was about a project management issue that had gone awry, and really have that face to face with them. So when they did have that email communication, it wasn't misunderstood. So oftentimes people can mis mistake things because we don't have the the beauty of the body language and the intonation. And so you're exactly right. Um, so, but I guess from an initial standpoint, if you're calling somebody relentlessly, relentlessly, relentlessly and their voicemail says you know please send me an email regarding your your question and you continue to call them oh I don't think you'll ever get to the first (laughs) to that first connection I agree that's exactly right you expressed that perfectly oh well you're so kind and and again I have to say Lenin it was just amazing I will never forget we um the time we spent together when you were helping us bring our sales to the next level at the Grand Hotel and really think about um, working with our clients and customers and putting it in their perspective. And it was just an amazing experience. I was really thrilled that they invested to, enough in us, uh, wanted to invest enough in us to bring you in. So um it was just fantastic to meet you back then. And I'm just so glad that you joined us again today. It's uh um such a, um, such a blessing to our guest, And one of the things that we always do is take a question from our listeners. And um, as you said, Lynn so many people are not secure about their jobs anymore. In fact, I think I read in the paper yesterday, there was another car plant that was going to lay off 200 people. Um, and so, you know, all right. I'm not surprised to get this. And we have when we have experts like you on the show, we get these questions all the time. And this person's name is Henry, and Henry wants to know, I've been laid off from my job. I really don't know what I can do. What is the best thing, what is the best way for me to approach starting my own business?
2: Okay, well, Henry, uh, starting your own business is something you can do, but one of the issues I'd caution you about right away is if you don't have a cushion, a financial cushion right now it might make sense in the short term to have another job to build up a bit of a cushion. If you have the luxury of having a cushion, then you can begin right now. If you don't have an idea as to what kind of business you might want to start, then that's going to be an issue for you. If I, I'm going to assume that you do have some ideas about what kind of business you might start, and then I'm going to suggest that you read some books called The E-Myth, And by the way, e-myth does not mean electronic as in email. It means the entrepreneurial myth. The books are called the e-myth. And the the best one in the series, in my opinion, is called the e-myth revisited. And you can read that by itself. You don't have to read the whole series. Again, the book is the e-myth revisited. And it talks about the classic mistakes that entrepreneurs make when they start their businesses the major one of which is to work in the business instead of on the business. Mm. The bottom line in that is that if you're good at making pie, you can't spend all day making pie. You need to think about who else will help you make the pie, how will you distribute the pie, who will buy the pie, and other matters of that nature.
1: Oh yes, absolutely. How can you um, bring other people into the in in into your business so you can focus on the more important things to keep the business going and growing? Exactly. Wow. Well, that's wonderful. The e myth re- revisited. Okay. Well, fantastic. Well, Henry, there's your answer from Lynn Ann. And I would also recommend, that Henry, that you email Lynn Ann uh, and take advantage of her free 30-minute minute consultation. And Lynn Ann, if um, you can tell everyone how to get in touch with you to take advantage of that, that would be wonderful.
2: All right. Well, my website is youcansell.com. That's dot y o u c a n S-E-L-L dot com. You can sell dot com. And if you'll uh, comment there or if you'll uh, leave me a note there, I'll be happy to get back to you and help in any way I can.
1: Oh, well, that that's just so gracious of you. And remember, guys, when you do that, make sure to let Lynn in know you heard her at Purpose Without Limits. This is not something she does for everyone, and she was gracious enough to offer that for us today. Well, Lynn Ann, I can't thank you again for, you know, enough for being with us, and uh, I look forward to working with you, uh, and I hope you'll come back sometime.
2: Well, I'd be happy to do that, Dallas, and I wish, wish you much wonderful success. I just looked at your website, and I think your role as the impression engineer and what you're doing in helping people make their best impression, their first impression, is a wonderful thing. Best of luck.
1: Oh, thanks, Lynn Ann. We'll be back with more Purpose Without Limits after this Tude Talk Minute. Hi, this
3: is Barbara Kazam from Kazamitude, spelled K-H-O-Zamitude.com, with your Tude Tip of the Week. Today's Tude is the Battitude. You know, the negativists, the whiners, the complainers. Examples could be colleagues, even some families and friends. The solution with these negative people For me is to be overly positive. So if someone says, I hate Susie, I'm going to say, really? I love Susie. And if someone says, oh my gosh, I hate my job, I'm going to say, really? I love my job. And if someone says, oh my gosh, I hate this weather. It's so hot outside. I'm going to say, really? Mm, I like to sweat. It cleans up my pores. If every time you say something negative, they say, or they say something negative, you say something positive, They're not going to come to you because you're no fun. This is Barbara Kazam with your Two Tip of the Week. For more information, go to Kazamitude.com.
1: Well, everybody, it's a time again, but only until next week. We will be back with another amazing show and guest, Pauline Duncan Thrasher, who will be talking to us about how to ride the waves of change and dive into life. So we know we all face change. In fact, if someone says, in fact, our whole campaign this year, presidential campaign was about change, wasn't it? We can. So how do we do that? How do we ride the waves of change and dive into life? So our guest next week will be talking to us about that. And remember, you do not have to fret. You can go back to the website and catch our past shows, and they're amazing. So be sure you do that at webtalkradio.net or purposewithoutlimits.com. And if you have not picked up your copy of Professionally Polished, Business Etiquette Savvy for today's competitive market, visit makeyourbestimpression.com. And at the Success Store, you can pick up a copy for yourself or perhaps someone else on your list. Thanks again for joining us. Until next week, continue to smile and embrace every day as anew.
0: You've been listening to Purpose Without Limits with your host, Dallas Teague Snyder. Dallas is founder of Make Your Best Impression, author of the book, Professionally Polished, Business Etiquette Savvy for Today's Competitive Market, and co-author of Executive Etiquette Power. Visit MakeYourBestImpression.com for more information.